Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Well, welcome to Washington. All I can promise you is an extremely busy hour ahead. Basically, the UK economic and political system is in chaos today as Kwasi Kwarteng, the Chancellor, is sacked. A new Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, has been replaced as Chancellor of the United Kingdom. Here at the IMF and World Bank, which is where we are today, obviously they will be discussing all these sort of matters. There's the Chancellor leaving number number 11 Downing Street this morning, having just resigned his post. Well, it's interesting to see. There's a little bit of a little bit of political rivalry here. Was he sacked or did he put, was he pushed? Uh, in his letter to the Prime Minister, he says, you asked me to go and I have accepted. In her letter to him, she sort of suggests you decided to leave. Doesn't matter, he's gone, as indeed has his number two, Chris Phillips. New people are being put in at the, tri- at the, uh, at the Treasury. Jeremy Hunt, who was, a, who was actually not in favour of Liz Truss uh, for the Prime Minister, is the new Chancellor. That has implications. Now, we're expecting, let me tell you what we are expecting over the course of the next hour. We believe, scheduled, the British Prime Minister is going to give a press conference. That should be in about half an hour from now. Guarantee you, we will take it live. There is intense speculation that not only will she have to uh, justify what happened, but any changes in the mini-budget. For instance, uh, not having the tax cut on corporation tax is one of the rumours that she might announce today. But the most important thing, I think, is the Chancellor being fired. Let me remind you what the Chancellor said here in Washington at the IMF yesterday. Everybody Uh, is focused on inflation. Everybody's affected by uh, potential interest rate rises. Everybody's affected by the energy uh, price spikes, which have been exacerbated by Putin's illegal war in Ukraine. So everybody across the global financial community is really focusing on the same problems. And you'll be Chancellor and Liz Truss will be Prime Minister this time next month? Absolutely, 100%. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Bianca Nobilo. Absolutely. 100%. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, The moment I heard that, I thought, oh, well, you'll be off before a week next Thursday. (laughs) Well, I mean, as we know, a week is a very long time in politics. It's probably been the longest five and a half weeks in politics that any prime ministers had after just getting into the job. I'm fascinated to see how the Prime Minister is going to try and draw a dividing line between herself and the former Chancellor. If she is trying to put a lot of the responsibility for the economic crisis and the mini-budget squarely at his door and not her own, 
I think that will be very interesting to see how she does that because even in both of their letters to each other, as confused as they were, there was a lot of we being used, our policy, we had this achievement. Well, indeed, because they were in lockstep and they did everything together. So how is she going to try and draw the political dividends out of sacking such a close friend and ally? She's going to have to try and distinguish them and position herself with as clean a political slate as possible moving forward. And the appointment of Jeremy Hunt is definitely an olive branch to the more moderate, compassionate conservatives within her party who've always been quite uncomfortable at how she has thrown a lot of red meat to the harder right of the Conservative Party. And they might be hoping this is a sign of more to come, that she will lead with a more conciliatory, broad church approach, Richard, and she will have to. Otherwise, she will have a rebellion and a push to oust her even more pronounced on her hands. Yeah, but um, Max Foster, the markets, I'm going to show you what the markets have, have been doing. The pound and the pound against the dollar and the European bourses, the FTSE. Uh, the FTSE is up. Uh, the pound is down. I mean, that really shows that until, Max, I think we get details of the uh, reverses, the U-turns, the spending, making up the shortfall, Max Foster, that's not going to change. Yeah, I think I mean, you know better than me. The markets are, you know, th this is about reassuring the markets in the first place because that's what's caused such chaos in the UK. Uh, pushed mortgage rates up, which is essential knowledge for any Conservative um, supporter, really, because they tend to be homeowners. It's all at a, absolutely cataclysmic for the Conservative Party, this. At the same time, speaking to what Bianca was saying there, bringing in Jeremy Hunt was actually very central to this because one of the big mistakes that Liz Truss made, according to the party, is not bringing in any of uh, Rishi Sunak's supporters into the government in the first place. So hopefully that can create some unity in the party. Hopefully whatever she says in this speech coming up will reassure the markets. And then she may have some chance of staying on for a while. But even then, uh, there are Rishi Sunak supporters very much operating in the background, trying to find a way of getting him into Downing Street and her out, because they see that as the long-term best bet for winning the next election. Um, Bianca, Jeremy Hunt in this job. OK, Bianca, Jeremy Hunt was for Rishi Sunak. Uh, he's an absolutely safe pair of hands in that respect. But... You know, you've got cohabitants in the two top jobs that don't agree. Uh, and, and this is not just a, a minor bit of housekeeping. Um, he is viciously against the core tenant of her immediate policy. Longer term, yes, all Tories are for low taxes, etc., etc. But in the immediate term, he is he's against, he, he's not with her. So how is she going to square that circle? We don't know yet. And I'm curious as well to see how much latitude she gives him. You know, will this be coming directly from her or will the Chancellor, will the power in the Chancellor's office become bigger again? Because that push and pull of that relationship between Prime Minister and Chancellor is a key one. And usually, interestingly, it often spells the dying days of a government where the relationship gets so fractious that the Chancellor is pushed out. And obviously, we've just seen that today, but they were a very close pairing 
Obviously, Trust needs to demonstrate that she can work with people who have very different opinions from her own. She needs to reassure the markets. But I don't know how that's going to sit with the policies that she's built her very fragile platform to lead upon. There are no answers to that just yet. I mean, something they perhaps have in common is the fact that Jeremy Hunt, like Liz Truss, was against Britain leaving the European Union and then took a slightly more Eurosceptic stance as time went on. Obviously, Truss is now a full Brexiteer and can see the opportunities there, or so she says. Jeremy Hunt is considered to be a safe pair of hands. He's taken on a lot more, perhaps, respect from the party since he's been on the back benches. He's held a number of cabinet positions, foreign secretary, um, he's uh, defence, health and social care, but he's also had his own spattering of political scandal. I think this should be reassuring, but it will just... We don't know how they are going to work together. We don't know how, personally, they're they're going to interact. Liz Truss does have a bit of a reputation for wanting high discipline on messaging, as in, you kind of, it's my way or the highway, you need to be on board with what I'm saying. So she will need to change that. And this speech will be the first indication as to whether or not she is capable of doing that. But I don't think just putting Jeremy Hunt in the position of Chancellor is going to be enough to placate this party that is so divided, can see it's being... trounced in the polls by Labour it just it will not be enough I really don't think so you have one chance to make a first impression and this has been her first month and I think it's pretty much unrecoverable Max and Bianca don't go too far away because I'm joined here in Washington by Raghuram Rajan, who former head of the Central Bank of India, and now, of course, at the University of Chicago. Um, if we look at what we see this morning, I notice the pound hasn't responded yet to the sacking of the Chancellor. So what's it looking for? What do you make of the chaos? And I, ent- I emphasize now that he's not obviously the, uh, still at the Central Bank of India. Right. You are as now as a private uh, individual. Right. So exchange rates do what exchange rates do. It's very hard to explain what they do. However, I think what you need to think about right now is three things working. Higher interest rates. That's that, uh, interest rates are going up. There's a lot of leverage that it's uh, acting on. And the third thing, which people aren't paying much attention to, liquidity. What has been happening is central banks flooded the markets with tremendous amounts of cash. Remember, reserves went up trillions. Right. Now they're pulling it back. Think of what happened in the UK. You have these pension funds. Yes, the government announced uh, this budget. Uh, Gills fell. Pension funds running for cash. They can't find it. That's a big problem. Liquidity is short because central banks are withdrawing it right now. Okay, so if that is the scenario, first of all, do you think Governor Bailey, whether he calls it an extension or another bit of nifty footwork, does he have to essentially extend the uh, the, the support being given? The primary role of central banks is to provide liquidity, right? So I don't think he has a choice. He cannot let the market for guilds collapse. Uh, He has to come in. Now, of course, he wants to withdraw. The problem is the amount of liquidity they've supplied in the past makes it very tough for him to withdraw quickly. He has to withdraw slowly. It's hard to fix a final date. I will not be in the market beyond this date. It is a tough situation, but he has to muddle through. Are you surprised at the sort of reaction that we're seeing in the markets today? I mean, what's it going to take? Assuming that we'll ever get gilts back to where they were, what do you think it takes? 
Well, I think we're seeing moves in the right direction. The government backing off because right. that was entirely against what the central bank was trying to do. The big problem, of course, is to fight inflation without a severe fall in growth. And for that, you need both on the same page. So let's talk about the wider issue of inflation. It's almost as if the, the worst scenario has arrived globally. Inflation is entrenched. That's exactly what they didn't want to happen. Right. I would say not yet, but getting really? there. But getting there. Getting there. Because the longer you have this high rates of inflation, the more workers say, look, I want my piece of it. That's happening. That, it's happening, but still not they're still falling behind inflation in the U.S. Uh, if you look at wage rates, 7% growth, inflation is 8.5%. So, yes, slightly below. The point is, when they start wanting to go ahead of it, then you get the spiral. How much further do you think rates have to go? Let's start with the U.S., because that's obviously the, the dominant rate. Um, I mean, I assume 75 basis points at the next meeting. Are you on that camp? It's baked in. I wish the Fed could go slower because what the Fed needs is time to see what the effects of its actions see, are. This, this is an interesting point. Yeah. In, in today's world where things move much faster, right. traditional monetary lag is, what, six to nine months? Exactly. We're only really six, seven months in since the beginning. Exactly. They're going to make... started very low. Um, so we don't know what the effect has been, really, of the first tranches. Absolutely. So it takes time, which is why the Fed needs to buy time. The problem is, because there's a census behind the curve, it doesn't have time, and therefore it has to do these 75. How many more 75 before it's gone too far? It has to slow down and start waiting to see what happens. How much, and this is a last general point, how much is our central bankers the victim, in a sense, of a faster-moving world? Social media, instant communications. You know, in the old days, you made a move and you waited three weeks and saw what happened. Yeah, I, I think they can blame others. They have themselves to blame also in this case because they were behind the curve. Can I ask one last point? The British business secretary said... And the government in UK has said specifically that the, that the disruption in markets has nothing to do, in the UK markets, has nothing to do with their policy. It's to do with the war. I can see by your smile. The war in Ukraine. It's to do with higher Fed interest rates. He said it. Is that right? Well, I'll tell you the little bit of it that's right. Markets are fragile. Right. So, yes, the reaction was large. But there was an action which caused that reaction, and I think that was the mini-budget, which just didn't make sense, it didn't add up. So glad you were here this morning. Thank you. Very grateful. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. As we continue, it is a special edition of First Move. We are at the IMF and World Bank. We're expecting the UK Prime Minister. Liz Trust is going to speak. The FTSE's reached a daily high. We'll show you the numbers after the break. Very busy morning. I promise you, we'll have it all for you right here. This is CNN. Welcome back to the IMF and World Bank. You don't get days like this every week, thank goodness, I suppose. Uh, we're expecting the Prime Minister, the UK Prime Minister Liz Trust, to speak in about 12 minutes from now. Let's see if she's on time. And what's she going to talk about? She sacked her Chancellor this morning, Kwasi Kwarteng. I can only imagine what it was like for him flying back to London last night. He should have been here at the IMF and World Bank. Instead, he made the lonely flight back to London, uh, where this morning he became the scapegoat 
for the disastrous policies that the markets have roundly gone against. Jeremy Hunt, former Foreign Secretary, former Senior Minister. Jeremy Hunt has been announced as the new Finance Minister. It is interesting. We will expect to hear how, whys and wheres. Jill Rutter is with me, the political commentator. Let's, let's just talk first of all about Jeremy Hunt as the new Chancellor. Uh, what price do you think he will have exacted for agreeing to take the job, thereby stabilising the situation? I think that he must have laid down terms about having pretty full control of where the government goes next to, if you like, reset after the problems that have beset the government since it announced the mini budget. So I would be very surprised if he's agreed to take this job without Liz Truss agreeing that uh, that he will have a pretty free hand to do what he thinks it will take on the advice of his officials on the advice of the Office for Budget Responsibility to be able to assure the markets that the UK government does indeed have the public finances under control. Jill, has the wrong person resigned today? Well, uh, what is very clear, and I think what's very clear from the exchange of letters between the Chancellor, the outgoing Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng, and the Prime Minister Liz Truss, is that they were always billed as very much of a team. When Liz Truss came in as Prime Minister not very long ago, of course, and appointed Kwasi Kwarteng, it was described as the closest pairing of a Chancellor and a Prime Minister that the UK had seen, uh, comparable only perhaps the relationship between George Osborne and David Cameron, who were if you like, joined at the hip. So it's very difficult to say that it makes sense to sack Kwasi Kwarteng over the failure, if you like, of government economic policy without the prime minister also being seen as having to take responsibility for that failure, because this was very much not a case of the chancellor pursuing an independent policy. What he was doing was implementing the vision that Liz Truss set out in that very prolonged Conservative leadership campaign and that won her the premiership from the Conservative members. Right. So with that in mind, and I'm thinking the work of the Institute looks at this closely, the failure of the Truss government to, or failure of trust and Kwarteng to even advise the cabinet and discussing cabinet at the, uh, the, the mini budget and not to put it to the OBR. Um, she, does she have any credibility left? Well, we'll have to see. And I think the statement that she's about to make will be incredibly important to see whether that does give her the space to, if you like, try to recover her premiership or not. So she's certainly not out of the woods yet, though appointing Jeremy Hunt is an indicator that she is prepared to look uh, across party. One of the things that was noted about that cabinet that she appointed uh, back in early September was that she shunned everybody who had supported Rishi Sunak in the leadership election, with one exception, who was appointed to a very, very low ranking 
relatively particularly insignificant cabinet posts. So Jeremy Hunt, very much a, a slightly surprise appointment, reaching out someone who didn't serve under Boris Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, did serve under David Cameron and Theresa May, supported Remain. So very much from a very different part of the party than uh, Liz Truss has drawn her support from, and notably didn't support Liz Truss in leadership. So that's a really interesting move. I think it's really interesting whether the Prime Minister can recover her personal credibility now, and that's what the next few, uh, next few days, um, weeks will test if the Prime Minister has that long. Jill, thank you. Excellent work from the Institute for Government, and we're glad that you were with us today. Thank you very much. I want to show the markets and how they are responding to all of this. You've got the pound and versus the dollar. You've got the FTSE vis-à-vis the euro, the European. So there you have the foot. There you have the two. Now it looks as though the pound is do- sorry, the FTSE equities is doing well. It's got nothing to do with today. Actually, if anything, the other European markets are up higher or have been than the. The FTSE on the back of a strong Wall Street. So what we're seeing in equities is really to do with <clears throat> what happened on Wall Street. The pound is continuing down. It's off only, I say only half a percent this morning. Much will depend. Bond yields on gilts have been coming down slightly, but that's really again on other issues. Callum Pickering is with me, <coughs> excuse me, from the, London, um, the senior economist at Berenburn Bank uh, joins me now. So I suppose we'll get into it in in detail, but the knee-jerk reaction of the markets to the news that Kwartung has gone does not seem to be the sort of positive reaction the government might have hoped. Well, I think the market essentially looks at these policies as the Prime Minister's policies. Yes, the Chancellor, ex-Chancellor by now, uh, Kwarteng, was the architect, but this is brand trussonomics. Um, I fear, actually, the problem essentially remains for trusts. Uh, it looks worse for trusts that the Chancellor is out within a month than it does for the Chancellor. Um, the key thing for markets is the UK seems to be making a significant U-turn on the fiscal policies that had panic guilt markets into wondering essentially whether or not the UK was on a stable financial path. What U-turn do you, does the markets, well, I was going to say, what do you want? But, you know, in, in market terms, they, they, we all know that the 45% reversal, that was just a bit of froth icing on the cake. It didn't yep. raise much money. A corp, um, abandoning the cut in corporate taxes, keeping the higher rate. Will that be enough if that's announced? Or does there have to be more to explain how they're going to fill the shortfall, which has been made larger by 15 or so billion because of higher gilt yields? Mm -hmm. It's a really good question. I actually, the thing that I find curious about this whole situation is, yes, the UK with Trussonomics would be borrowing more much more money. But actually, if you look three or four years out, the deficit would have probably been around 3%. The UK has the longest debt maturity in the uh, OECD. The UK wasn't on an unsustainable fiscal path. These policies wouldn't have actually put it on an unsustainable path. The problem is, trust doesn't have any credibility with markets. She didn't start with any credibility. And so what we have with this U-turn is 
actually a bit questionable. I'm, I'm not really sure what the market is looking for here. The market didn't take a sober analysis of the initial policy decisions. That's why markets panicked so much. And so this U-turn probably is the sense that, well, actually, we're heading now into a, into a more sensible direction. Uh, trust is not going to push further uh, or at least expand these policies in a direction that could threaten UK financial stability. It, 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 it's all very weird, I have to right. say. That's a great explanation. I mean, that, that, that sums it up beautifully. Uh, uh, actually, it sums it up in the polite language that we can use on television. It's a weird situation. Thank you, sir. I'm grateful uh, for you. you. OK, we'll take... We will take a very short break. We are expecting the UK UK Prime Minister. The Chancellor's gone. Well, the old Chancellor's gone. That's what you're looking at. That is number 10 Downing Street. That is where Liz Truss will be. She's meant to be there at 9.30 Eastern, 2.30 London. Let's see if she's on time. We'll take it when it does. This is CNN. Delighted to be with you. Welcome to the IMF and World Bank in Washington. I'm Richard Quest in for Julia Chatterley uh, today. We're live here, of course, as the UK reels from chaos and confusion. Uh, this morning, the British Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, was sacked by the Prime Minister, Liz Truss. She is due to speak any time now, in about seconds from now. There's a new uh, finance minister, new chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, is the man who will be taking over at number 11 Downing Street. Bianca and Max are with me. Um, Bianca is outside number 10. Max is with me to give me the analysis in the broader tense. Max, I'm going to start with you. Um, Everybody, other European countries and politicians are watching this in amazement, horror. Well, I think you probably found the same there, haven't you, Richard? People are very awkward about talking about it because there's very difficult to say anything yeah. which isn't very negative about the way um, everything's been handled really from certainly from a European perspective in terms of the British economy in recent times not least this recent period uh, so this idea that Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng would come out with this mini budget as it was called much bigger than it was implied and it wasn't costed out and then didn't respond and watch the markets fall uh, it has an impact on the wider European economy and I think there's a huge amount of frustration so a massive test for Liz Truss as she comes out to that podium and isn't just speaking to her own party isn't just speaking to the financial markets is talking to the wider world and speaking on behalf of the United Kingdom which just looks so chaotic right now. This uh, Jeremy Hunt is the fourth Chancellor uh, Britain has had this year. Uh, Liz Truss, if she goes, would be, she's the second Prime Minister this year, there could be a third Prime Minister this year. Uh, What is going on with British politics? That's what so many people are wondering. Which is why we've got Bianca with us. Bianca, the, the, I mean, if, if Liz Truss uses the old line that they used on the 45% tax, uh, you know, it, it was a distraction. Um, you can only be distracted for so long. Uh, they haven't used the word distraction yet, but unless there's a touch of humility from the Prime Minister as she comes forward, it's very difficult. Oh, looks like she's coming now. Forgive me. Uh, no, she's not. Uh, we'll, we'll interrupt you when we do see her. 
please do, yes. Um, and that is the question that plagues me late at night. What on earth is going on with British politics indeed? And will it change as well? Because Jeremy Hunt himself was in favour of cutting corporation tax, high spending, but also tax cuts. So when he was running for leadership back in the day, which he has done twice, uh, he was never considered to be a particularly fiscally sound choice because of these policies that he espoused back then. But the key for Liz Truss today is to show some form of contrition, perhaps even apology, or the, an apology, although I think that is unlikely because the whole purpose behind this sacking of the Chancellor is precisely so that she doesn't have to take on that responsibility and be further tainted by the economic crisis that the mini-budget has led to. So I think that's unlikely. She, she doesn't tend to speak for a very long period of time. She isn't well known for being charismatic or particularly warm or taking the temperature of a room or a political moment particularly well. So this will be a great test. How do you spin this? Because whatever she happens, is, it's not she a sign is, the of strength. Prime Minister, the Prime Minister, Liz Good Truss. afternoon. My conviction that this country needs to go for growth is rooted in my personal experience. I know what it's like to grow up somewhere that isn't feeling the benefits of growth. I saw what that meant, and I'm not prepared to accept that for our country. I want a country where people can get good jobs, new businesses can set up, and families can afford an even better life. That's why, from day one, I've been ambitious for growth. Since the 2008 financial crisis, the potential of this great country has been held back by persistently weak growth. I want to deliver a low-tax, high-wage, high-growth economy. It's what I was elected by my party to do. That mission remains. People across this country rightly want stability. That's why we acted to support businesses and households with their energy costs this winter. It's also the case that global economic conditions are worsening due to the continuation of Putin's appalling war in Ukraine. And on top of this, debt was amassed helping people through the COVID pandemic. But it is clear that parts of our mini-budget went further and faster than markets were expecting. So the way we are delivering our mission right now has to change. We need to act now to reassure the markets of our fiscal discipline. I have therefore decided to keep the increase in corporation tax that was planned by the previous government. This will raise £18 billion per year. It will act as a down payment on our full medium-term fiscal plan, which will be accompanied by a forecast from the independent OBR. We will do whatever is necessary to ensure debt is falling as a share of the economy in the medium term. We will control the size of the state to ensure that taxpayers' money is always well spent. Our public sector will become more efficient to deliver world-class services for the British people. And spending will grow less rapidly than previously planned. I met the former Chancellor earlier today. I was incredibly sorry to lose him. He is a great friend and he shares my vision to set this country on the path to growth. Today, I have asked Jeremy Hunt to become the new Chancellor. He's one of the most experienced and widely respected government ministers and parliamentarians, and he shares my convictions 
and ambitions for our country. He will deliver the medium-term fiscal plan at the end of this month. He will see through the support we are providing to help families and businesses, including our energy price guarantee that's protecting people from higher energy bills this winter. And he will drive our mission to go for growth, including taking forward the supply-side reforms that our country needs. We owe it to the next generation to improve our economic performance, to deliver higher wages, new jobs and better public services, and to ease the burden of debt. I have acted decisively today because my priority is ensuring our country's economic stability. As Prime Minister, I will always act in the national interest. This is always my first consideration. I want to be honest, this is difficult, but we will get through this storm and we will deliver the strong and sustained growth that can transform the prosperity of our country for generations to come. I'll now take questions. Um, can I start with Ben Riley smith Thank you, Prime Minister. Clearly a difficult day. Can you explain to the public why you think you should remain as Prime Minister, given you've jumped a key tax cut that led you to be elected and got rid of your Chancellor? I'm absolutely determined to see through what I have promised, to deliver a higher growth, more prosperous United Kingdom, to see us through the storm we face. We've already delivered the energy price guarantee, making sure people aren't facing huge bills this winter. But it was right in the face of the issues that we had that I acted decisively to ensure that we have economic stability, because that is vitally important to people and businesses right across our country. Uh, Harry Cole. Thank you, Prime Minister Harry Cole. Son, you were the one that wanted to cut the 45p rate. You stood on a platform to, with the leadership of the Conservative Party on a platform to cut corporation tax. You and the Chancellor, the ex-Chancellor, designed this budget together in lockstep, we're told. It times in secrets, the two of you. He has to go because of the fallout from it. How come you get to stay? Well, my priority is making sure we deliver the economic stability that our country needs. That's why I had to take the difficult decisions I've taken today. The mission remains the same. We do need to raise our country's economic growth levels. We do need to deliver for people across the country. We're committed to delivering on the energy price guarantee, which people are already seeing in their bills. But ultimately, we also need to make sure that we have economic stability. And I have to act in the national interest as Prime Minister. Chris Mason. Excuse the bluntness, Prime Minister, but given everything that has happened, what credibility do you have to continue governing? What I've done today is made sure that we have economic stability in this country. Jeremy Hunt as Chancellor is somebody who shares my desire for a high-growth, low-tax economy. But we recognise, because of current market issues, 
we have to deliver the mission in a different way. And that's what we are absolutely committed to do, achieving that stability at what is a very difficult time globally. Uh, Robert Peston. Prime Minister, the uh, former Tory Chancellor, Philip Hammond, has just said that you have totally trashed the Tory party's election-winning reputation for economic competence. Will you apologise to your party? Well, I am determined to deliver on what I set out when I campaigned to be party leader. We need to have a high growth economy, but we have to recognise that we are facing very difficult issues as a country. And it was right in the national interest that I made the decisions I've made today to restore that economic stability so we can deliver, first of all, helping people through this winter and next winter with their energy bills, but also making sure that our country is on the long-term footing for sustainable economic growth. Thank you very much, everybody. Well, that was extraordinary. Uh, one, one sort of listened to that. It was watching the questions to the Prime Minister was like watching bullets going against concrete. Uh, cred questions about have you any credibility? Will you say sorry? How did you get it so wrong? How does firing the Chancellor help? They were all met with the same standard response of I am committed to a high growth policy. I believe X, Y, Z. And with the final bit, I took decisive action because of the market's disruption, conveniently ignoring, of course, that the market's disruption was as a result of her policies. Bianca Nobilo, I listened to that with mounting incredulity, that, but at the same time, I don't think I've ever seen a more forlorn and weakened prime minister given a statement. I was just about to say that, Richard, when you were talking about the questions hitting like bullets, as much as her answers were a bit like talking to a brick wall, they were really obscurantist. You know, she is avoid, there's avoiding the question and there's just not acknowledging it whatsoever. But she seemed entirely defeated. Her power language, the way she spoke, her body language, there was very low energy. That's unusual even for her. And as we were discussing before, she's not known as a powerful, compelling or energetic speaker. It was remarkable. It's also confusing because that speech, if you saw it written down, which is always a good way to look at important speeches, it did not explain the events of today. She paid lip service to the Chancellor, to the fact that they shared the same objective, that she still remains committed to that ambition to grow the country's economy, but that more than anything, she wants economic stability. She can say these things. Who will believe them? I don't know. Ultimately, it was the Prime Minister's responsibility along with the chances to chart this economic course. And I don't feel like that speech just now would have been particularly reassuring. And also to add insult to injury, she again repeated this idea that the country has been in a phase of weak, persistently weak growth which is an insult to the previous Conservative governments that she has also served in. So all in all, I don't think that would have done her many favours, Richard. 
Yeah, I noticed, of course, her dating on that. Her previous economic, weak economic growth goes back to 2008, of course, conveniently just before they, they took office, conveniently ignoring that they've been in office for the last 12 years and 12 years of the weak economic growth of which she's talking about. Max Foster, let me read you a quote for the, uh, for, from, in response to a question. She says, we recognise because of current market issues, we have to deliver the mission in a different way, further and faster than the market is expecting. Well, that's all right then, Max. Well, it is the further she's gone in accepting and almost, uh, you know, almost apologising for, you know, what happened here. It doesn't sound like very much, but in Liz Trust language, that is going quite a long way. She's finally accepted they did something wrong. Uh, the same issues that you and Bianca have with this press conference, only four questions at the end, repeating the same sort of mantras she always does. That won't satisfy the public. I don't think it will satisfy uh, the, uh, the politicians and it certainly won't satisfy the journalists sitting in that room that this is a major problem that she's been part of and she isn't really accepting it in a very public way. And I think that's going to be a huge frustration. But she has climbed down on the corporation tax. We'll have to see whether or not that reflects well on the markets. If it does, that might help her. But she's still got a massive leadership crisis on her hands, I think, Richard. Let's look at the markets on that point then, Max. Let's see how the FTSE has responded and how the pound has responded. And bearing in mind that, uh, well, <laughs> there you have it. Uh, so the FTSE, let's forget about That's on other frolics of its own. But Max, the pound was down about 0.6. It's now down 0.9. Uh, so she's filled or she's put back 18 billion pounds into the corporate tax on the corporate tax move, but nothing more than that. The market's not impressed. And the market's presumably also apprehensive about the Bank of England pulling back on the guilt buying as well. So uh, let's see what the markets do. I mean, they're driven by fear at the moment. If they keep going down, this is a massive problem for Liz Truss. What more can she do apart from sack her finance minister and then get rid of the flagship policy that she campaigned on? She's done all of that today. If that doesn't convince the markets, then surely the parliamentary party is going to have to do something in terms of leadership. A very nervous time for her, but a very nervous time for everyone. And I think a massive frustration that she didn't take that opportunity to show more contrition. All right, Max, uh, Bianca, Bianca, I'm sorry you're out in the rain in Downing Street. Oh, it looks like it stopped. Uh, but we will be back with you uh, both in just um, a, a moment. Um, we'll take a short break. And when we come back, we will wrap it up in terms of a day. We'll bring you, we'll remind you of what happened and we'll look at where we might go next. Particularly the question for Bianca when we get to it. <coughs> How would the Tory party get rid of Liz Truss if they decided that she was such an electoral liability as would appear at the moment? What's the mechanism that you would lose Liz Truss if she won't go? After the break, it's First Move. Good morning. Another astonishing day in UK politics. First, the UK Chancellor gets fired. Then... The UK Prime Minister Liz Truss gives a press conference where she reverses U-turns, another part of her mini-budget, by reinstating the uh, higher level of corporate tax that she was intending to cut. And then finally, she says nothing at all about whether she's sorry or how she's doing it. Oh, and if all that wasn't enough, 
She also appoints a new finance minister, Jeremy Hunt, who didn't support her in the leadership campaign. This was the Prime Minister this morning. But it is clear that parts of our mini-budget went further and faster than markets were expecting. So the way we are delivering our mission right now has to change. So, uh, Max Foster's with me. Uh, Bianca is with me. <clears throat> I guess the first thing, um, let's look at the politics on this, uh, Bianca. I assume that the party is really wants to get rid of her. How do they do it? So, that is the question. The prevailing thought is that a prime minister is safe for a year from a vote of no confidence after they assume the post. However, and this is very important, the chairman of the backbench committee that basically oversees the process of ousting a prime minister said that that only applies to prime ministers who have been freshly elected, as in a general election. So it might not apply to Liz Truss, in which case, if a certain threshold of letters, 15% of the parliamentary Conservative Party, around 54 MPs, is met, then that can trigger a vote of no confidence. If that doesn't happen, there is the possibility to change the rules. These rules, after all, are made by the party. And that's when, in the dying days of the Johnson administration, when he'd survived the vote of no confidence, but things were going from bad to worse, they were discussing, OK, well, let's just change the rules. Let's say that we can challenge him again. Let's change the threshold. So that can be done. So an as yet undisclosed method could arise. Then there's the traditional ways, which are mass resignations, which would force the Prime Minister's hand, like what ultimately did happen to Johnson. So if people start resigning from Truss's government and she can't function, then she might have to go. There's also the men in grey suits, i.e. elders within the party, grandees, trusted advisers coming to her and saying, you really can't go on like this. Those are the mechanisms. All right. So lots of Lots of ways, that potentially. Uh, Max Foster, Jeremy Hunt's first job is going to have to be to clean up the mess. And that means either, uh, well, bringing forward or in some shape or form, having this fiscal statement that has been put off, brought forward and then delayed once more. Uh, yeah, and we can assume he's going to go along the lines of Rishi Sunak's campaign, which was um, pretty much the opposite of what tr uh, Liz Truss was doing. So we've got some insight there. He's a very empowered finance minister because she's weak and she needs him and she needs the support of that whole Sunak side. So he's in a very strong position. Uh, David Gork, um, a party elder, I think as Bianca might describe him, has tweeted that won't do as a result of this uh, press conference. And I think uh, this is the big issue that Liz Truss has gone. Has it gone far enough? You talked about that corporation tax U-turn. That is going to save, I understand it's something like $18 billion a year. That isn't nearly enough to offset a lot of the losses that were in this uh, budget, basically. So uh, I think a lot of the Tory backbenchers are already saying Financially, this doesn't go far enough, which might be why the pound is falling. Uh, and generally, there wasn't enough there to appease everyone. So I think the pressure is still very much on Liz Truss. And those mechanism that, mechanisms that Bianca was describing right there, I'm sure, will be at the forefront of some people's minds there in Parliament. Uh, the, uh, Bianca, um, how long has she got? Uh, how much time do you think the Prime Minister has, I was going to say to stabilise the, the, the ship, but it's not stable. So what do you think? 
Well, as you know, that's every political journalist's favourite question ever, Richard, so thank you so much for asking it. Um, I'm... I'm not entirely sure. It's weird. There does seem to be a rhythm to the recent departures of Conservative Prime Ministers, if we think about Theresa May, Boris Johnson or Liz Truss. You know, certain things happen and a process does seem to unfold. That press conference that we just witnessed, the questions from the journalists about her having no credibility left, how can she continue when these are her policies too? And then the responses we had, the defeated attitude from the Prime Minister, it is something of the last days of administration. That's what it looked like and that's what it felt like. It would take a politician of such sort of nimble know-how, ingenuity and imagination to contort themselves out of this disaster. The refrain I was hearing at conference was that she had until Christmas to steady the ship and convince people that she's the right person for the job. So that's when I would have said, so a month or so, the biggest thing that's holding holding the tide, that's holding that back, is the Conservative Party have to ask themselves, essentially, and I'm putting it crudely, but what looks more ridiculous? Going through you know, five prime ministers in six years, because if, if Liz Truss went, that would be the number, or keeping a prime minister that is just dragging them further and further down in the polls, and in some people's minds, erasing the credible conservative legacy with the economy. Which of those things is worse? And because they don't know the answer, it means we can't say how long the Prime Minister had had left. If, if there hadn't been so many changeovers of Prime Ministers I'm gonna, in recent I'm years, I'm sure to, she'd be out. I'm going to need to stop it there, Bianca. We've got more ahead. It's coming up to the top of the hour. We will look at the markets. We will put it all together. Connect the World is next. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.